From Boise to Middleton, the 5A and 4A Southern Idaho Conferences feature 20 of the largest schools in Idaho. Highlighting the big plays and big stories from Idaho's biggest schools, this is the SIC PrepCast with Wayne DeZubak. That's right. It's another edition of the SIC PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down all the biggest stories from the Southern Idaho Conference. It's brought to you by DL Evans Bank. This is Community Banking. Brandon Bainey alongside Wayne DeZubak. Wayne, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I mean, you're going to be a busy camper because everything, nothing's happening over in the western part of the state here. I mean, it's all done, so it's all up to you guys over in the east. Yeah, it's really weird. Six uh, state football championship games being played this week, two up north in Moscow, and then four uh, in Pocatello at Holt Arena. It's just the way it shook out this year. Well, the nice thing about it, Holt Arena, the weather, you know exactly what it's going to be. I'll tell you though, Wayne, some of these games are pretty late. You know, the second game Thursday yeah. kicked off at nine o'clock on a school I saw night. That. I'm like, what's with that? You know, I mean, but you know what? Hey, here's the way it is nine o'clock for you and me. That's bedtime. Okay. For these kids, that's just kind of wake up. Let's get going. Let's see what we can do time. That's right. And, and I will say that uh, the reason why there's such a high number of games in East Idaho this year is because we have a lot of uh, East Idaho versus East Idaho championship matchups as well. Yeah, and I got to give congratulations to East. I mean, I sat there and I did the Homedale and uh, Sugar Salem game on Saturday, and Sugar Salem, you know, came in here and did it again to Homedale. It's amazing. Four years in a row, they've they've uh, kind of bounced them three times in the championship game, and of course, Saturday's game was in the semifinals. But still, what a great job by the Diggers to get there. I mean, they started off zero and two, and they got right back there. So. Great job there. I enjoyed doing that game. It was a warm day over by the Snake River, having a good time with Homedale. But I know Homedale fans didn't have a great day, but uh, super. And then congratulations, really, to Highlander Rigby. I mean, they came in here, and they had to, to make the long haul over to the Treasure Valley, and they got it done. You know, Highland over Eagle, and, of course, Rigby in triple overtime over Meridian. So congratulations. I mean, they got it done. Pretty impressive. Uh, as I was talking to fans kind of all over the state, Wayne, they said that that semifinal Friday night where we had the, the Highland and Rigby wins and uh, Blackfoot and Sandpoint going to overtime up north, they said that that was one of the best nights in high school postseason football that they could remember for a long time. So I wanted to ask you, because uh, you've covered a lot of great uh, playoff contests over the years, do you ever remember a night where, I mean, you had almost all the games were really close and intense and down to the wire? Well, obviously I haven't because this is something that's really rare. I mean, once in a while you'll get a semifinal matchup that you build up, build up, build up, and then all of a sudden it's like a 40 to 20 game or something like that. You go, ah, that wasn't what it's supposed to be. But both of these games lived up to the hype. Both of these games went right down to the wire. We had a field goal at the buzzer, if you will, to win it. And, of course, we had triple overtime at the other one. So, I mean, you couldn't get any more exciting. Uh, I was working with Clay Hatfield on the Highland Eagle game, and as our game ended on Ian Hershey's 40-yard 40, 40 field goal, as time ran out, we looked down to see what was going on at the Rigby Meridian game, and they were going into overtime. And I said, wow, you know, this is what a night this has been over here. It was great. Yeah, it was a great night of football. So let's start with that game that you were at on Friday night. Highland, uh, mm -hmm. for the second week in a row, having to travel over to the Treasure Valley, taking on an Eagle team. This was kind of a, a back-and-forth affair. The teams kind of traded blows, and Highland got the ball last and ended up winning it. Actually, what it was was it was all Highland at first. They jumped to a 20-7 to lead. They were looking really strong. Things were looking tough for Eagle, but they came back, made it 20-14 to at halftime. And then the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that Eagle – did not allow Highland a touchdown in the second half. It was three field goals from Ian Hershey. 
that got the job done. They got their nine points. So they were, they were, you know, up 20 to 14 going into that third period. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, Eagle had the opportunity, had their opportunities in that game and Highland would not have won it had it not been for the leg of one Ian Hershey, who a week ago came in and beat Rocky Mountain with three field goals, including a state record 58 yarder. And here he has a 52 yarder, a 20 yarder and a 40 yarder. The kid's awesome. Yeah, second week in a row that Hershey's heroics really lifted Highland to uh, a win. You know, as I'm talking to fans in, in East Idaho, you know, Rigby Highland, the rematch, and they're, oh, how do you think Highland's going to do it? And I said, you know, it's great that they have Ian Hershey. I said, but they got to start, you know, like cashing in with touchdowns instead of field goals, especially against a Rigby team that, as we saw, has a high-powered offense. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, it's 18 points in two games for me and Hershey's leg, and uh, that's not going to cut it all the time, especially now – you know, the thing of it is, I'm not sure how Highland would have done had they played the Rigby team that was on fire against Meridian because we kept looking at that game and 22-22, 29-22, 29-29, 35-29, 35-35, three overtimes. You know, it was like, whew, I'm getting dizzy just trying to keep up with this game. So, yeah, I don't know that Highland could have kept up with Rigby or Meridian that night. Eagle, on the other hand, you know, they were able to do it. Eagle was able to hold him without a touchdown in the second half, and but it, all it took, I mean, I say all it took, because where do you see a kid kick a 52-yard field goal, you know, on a regular basis? And that that became regular for Ian Hersey in the playoffs. Yeah, and right before he came out to attempt that game-winning field goal, Wayne, he, he – tell me what happened. He slipped on the field or something, landed on his butt? Uh, Eagle called a timeout. Yeah, Eagle called a timeout. So he went out there. Now, first of all, I got to say this, and I say this with all due respect to Ian Hershey. Ian was kind of hot-dogging it a little bit. I mean, he had a big night a week before, three field goals, 58-yard state record. Here he is back in the Treasure Valley. He's already kicked two field goals, including a 52-yarder. So he was kind of out there hot-dogging it, and it was kind of getting a little bit foggy because we'd had a lot of moisture, and the field was a little bit damp. So he went out there. When Eagle called timeout, he goes, I'll show you, I'll show you. And I just took a couple of approaches to kick it. And he his his plant leg just went right out from underneath him and right on his behind. He ended and both sides, the Highland side, which we were on in our booth, was starting to laugh a little bit because they were kind of giggling. They couldn't help but laugh. And and the Eagle side started applauding, you know, like good job, good job. I think he ate it up. I think he literally, or Ian Hershey, ate that up. He liked the attention. And then they brought the real staff, they brought the real hold, and he brought the real foot <laughs> and put it through the uprights. No problem. He could have made that from about 62. If anything, that probably helped uh, him relax a little more yeah. going into this pressure-filled kick, right? I agree because Eagle was trying to ice him a little bit. And so he goes out there and he falls on his rear end. And then he steps up and says, hey, no big deal. I'll shake this off. And you're right. I, I'm sure it loosened him up. And he just, the thing I was worried about is that when you hit that hard on your behind, you know, did it, did it shake up his back? Did it hurt too much? But nah, he was good to go. Yeah. And for Eagle in the loss, you know, what a revelation uh, it's been for, again, Jack Benson and Ian Duarte. They hooked up on a couple of long touchdowns, a 90 yard score uh, in the second half. Uh, yeah. what, what a gem he's been and what an addition to this Eagle program, Ian Duarte, moving in from out of state. 
Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, he had big play, 67-yard touchdown reception at the 71-yard play where I just was doing the play-by-play, and it goes, nobody can catch him. They can't catch him. He was like all over the field, went from right one side to the other sideline, and nobody could ever catch him. And finally, he just ran out of steam, and they had enough Highland players that they did catch him, but still led to a touchdown. Jack Benson, the one play I missed was his touchdown of 42 yards. He made such a great fake handoff to Roy Hull. I thought Hull had it, and Hull got hit immediately and was brought down. And so immediately I thought, oh, big loss. You know, what a play by Highland. And then I look at Benson's in the end zone. So it was one of those plays that what a great job of execution by Eagle. And uh, that gave him that lead, that one-point lead, 27-26, with three minutes to go in the ball game, Brandon. And uh, I knew it wasn't going to be enough, but here's the deal. Without Ian Hershey, Highland doesn't win that game because they could not move. They moved the ball, but they could not move it into the end zone. It wasn't happening. Yeah, and they'll have to clean that up if they want to have success against Rigby in the 5-8 championship game. Uh, I don't get a vote on the All-State players or coaches of the year, right? The coaches themselves vote that out. But if I had a vote, my coach of the year for 5-8 football would go to John Hartz from Eagle. When you think about they lost Ben Ford in the offseason and Jackson mm-hmm. Stanfley, their backfield combo. And then in the first game of the year, Ethan Makita, their best skill player, gets hurt. And the job that he did overcoming that type of adversity to bring this team to a 9-3 and three record when it's all said and done and a player or two away from a state championship game appearance, I think he should be the coach of the year in 5A football. We'll take it a step further. I agree with you 100% that he had just a couple of weeks ago, Deegan Martino got hurt. And he was the backup to Makita, who played very well, played the whole season, did a good, solid job for them. And that just dropped him down to Roy Hull. That's all they had. And then Hull got shook up on a Friday night. He had to come out for uh, about a whole series. And then he came back in, fortunately. But, boy, I tell you what, yeah, when you lose that kind of talent, I mean, you know, a coach can look great when you've got great players out on the field. But when you lose a lot of great players, for a coach to have a great season, it means he's had to – you know, done a good job with the other players and made the next man up mentality work. And he did that this year. John Hartz did. And I think we're, 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 we kind of saw it this year, and I think we'll see it as we move forward, kind of a changing of the guard in the SIC where Mountain View and Rocky Mountain have kind of been the two dominant programs for so long. But with a he opening and taking a lot of players from those two schools, there's a couple of players from Eagle that are getting pulled into he as well, but not as many. And I think this, is, this really sets up nicely for Eagle to really build itself up as maybe the program to beat moving forward. Eagle's been really steady, Eddie, for a lot of years. They've been right there. But you're right. You know, I mean, I, I agree with you. And with a Waihee taking some players, I think it's going to take a Waihee a little while to really establish himself. But still, the uh, the movement in this valley is that away. I mean, it's towards Waihee and things like that. So it's only going to get that way a little bit more for a Waihee. So I think the storm will eventually take people by storm. And we'll see what happens. Mountain View is always going to be good. Rocky Mountain is always going to be good for years to come because they've still got a lot of people. Meridian just continues to grow. I mean, it's one of the fastest uh, cities growing in the country. And then Eagle has slowed down a little bit. But believe me, I'm here in Eagle, and I like to see it slow down a little bit. It, it, it used to be a sleepy little village. And now it's kind of goofy. (laughs) So beautiful, but goofy. It's a good way to describe that. So speaking of Meridian, the Warriors were also playing in the other semifinal against Rigby. What a matchup that was. We will break it down for you on the other side of this break. Let's hear from our sponsors from DL Evans Bank. We'll come back right after this on the SIC PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Wherever you are, DL Evans Bank is right there to help. 
From applying for loans to opening new accounts and signing documents, personalized service is just a video call away. This is Bank Live with D. Evans Bank. This is Community Banking. Back on the SIC PrepCast, Brandon Maney alongside Wayne Dizubak. So Eagle fell to Highland in, in yeah. the first semifinal. I say first because it concluded first because Meridian and Rigby went to three overtimes where Rigby uh, finally found a way to, to get it done. 55-49, to 49, the Warriors fall in triple overtime. Nothing to be ashamed of there, and what a fantastic football game that was. You know, what really surprised me about that game was I thought Meridian's defense was a lot better than what they showed. So, I mean, I know Rigby's got a good offense. They've shown it all year long. They did a good job in the first half. They uh, had the time of possession in their favor, 18 minutes to six minutes in the first half. So, I mean, it was all uh, Rigby in the first half, although they only led it by seven at halftime. But they had drives of 14, 16, and 10 plays. I mean, that's a lot of time taken off the clock when you drive that long in the first half. So 18 minutes they had the ball in the first half to only six for Meridian. But Meridian was only down by seven. As we know, it came back, got tied up a couple, three times in the second half before they went to triple overtime. But uh, I, I, I thought Meridian's defense would step up. And instead, it basically, it was Rigby's defense that stepped up at the very end in that third overtime to get it done. Yeah, the game was tied 7-7 after one quarter, and everyone thought, okay, yeah, maybe 28-21. Let's see how we – no, 55-49. to So, yeah, it was tied at 7 after one quarter. Rigby had the lead at halftime, you mentioned, 22-14. They were tied after 3, 29-29, and then tied – after regulation 35 35 and then they moved yeah. in overtime so this was literally as evenly matched a game as you could get really was and then but the thing of it is you know we forget about that the little things two block pats okay by rigby the difference in the game in fact eli arsenault the place kicker had a chance to win it in regulation with the pat didn't he got it blocked so, I mean, the little things that come back to haunt you. And for Eli Arsenault, this is going to be one of those years when he looks back at it, he's going to look back at a missed field goal against Mountain View, the very first game back in August. And then, of course, the two PATs that were blocked uh, against Rigby because it could have been done in overtime. It could have been done in regulation with a PAT, and it didn't. So hand it to the Rigby defense to come up big when they needed to. Yeah, and, and again, that's a team. It's not Eli Arsenault's fault on either of those things. We talked about the the kick against Mountain View set up on the wrong hash. And then anytime somebody gets through to block kicks, sometimes the kick comes out too low, but sometimes guys get through, and that's on the guys up front as well. So. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, they're they're singing the praises of Jonah Dolmas, who played, you know, football for Rocky Mountain and soccer for for soccer for Rocky Mountain. And what a great year he's having for Boise State this year. But we were laughing the other day because we said, yeah, no, everybody forgot that one field goal that he got kind of partially blocked against Oklahoma State that would have been the game winner against the Cowboys. So, you know, as a kicker, you get blamed for everything, and then you get praised when, you know, you, you hit them. So uh, it's it's just the way it is. I mean, we're talking Ian Hershey, what a great weekend he had. And then, of course, a couple of black PATs make a difference in that game. Senate overtime and Rigby wins it. But, hey, that's why they play the game. That's why, you know what I mean? And, and you got to play every down. You do. And, and when you, you think those PATs are just automatic? They're not. Yeah, I mean, this was wild. In the first overtime, Meridian scores on a, 
uh, Riley Byington three-yard touchdown run. They missed their PAT, so now they've got to get on defense. Rigby scores, and Rigby has a chance to win in overtime with a, with a successful kick. Well, they missed their PAT, so that's how we got to the second overtime. So you're right. It really afflicted both teams on both sides, and, and it all came down to that third overtime period where uh, it was fourth down. Malachi Martinez tried to throw it to the end zone, got batted away, and then Tiger Adolfo, Rigby's quarterback, dove into the end zone to, to win the game for Rigby. So we, we talked about this last year, Wayne, with Meridian High winning the boys' basketball title and the state wrestling title and almost getting there in football this year. It's kind of been a renaissance for, for Meridian High, the original high school in Meridian. They've kind of been overshadowed in recent years by the newer schools, Rocky Mountain and Mountain View. But this is a nice renaissance and maybe a return to the glory days of Meridian High School. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'll go back. Now, both you and I called Highland the winner over Eagle. We thought that was going to happen. But I think we both thought that Meridian would upset Rigby. And I call it an upset uh, I think what happened in that ball game is that I still think that at the end of the year, I think Meridian was playing the best football of any team in 5A. I really do. They ran into a Rigby team that has been there before. They've been number one. They were number one all last year. They've been around. They've had that success. They had that confidence. And they just came into Meridian. They said, we're not going to let the Warriors beat us. And I'm not sure Meridian has been there enough to know how to handle it, although I, they handle it real well. But I think in the end, it was just that experience, that little bit of extra confidence that Rigby had from being there the last few years, getting it done, that made the difference. Yeah, this will be the third consecutive championship game appearance for Rigby. They won it two years ago, lost to Rocky Mountain 17-14 in last year's championships. They, they got a chip on their shoulder to get back and, and finish off business as well. So, Wayne, do you, have, do you have an idea? Do you have a prediction of how Highland versus Rigby will go? I know you haven't seen Rigby in person, but you've seen Highland a couple of times. Yeah, I really have. Um, you know what? I... From what I saw out of Rigby, I, I, you know, I picked Rigby last year. I really did to go all the way. They didn't, but I, I thought they were there. And I figure that, you know, I'll probably stick with Rigby this time, you know, simply because they've been there so much. They've really played well. I think this is a huge win for them. The only thing that worries me, uh, but I think it's going to cancel each other out, is that you get that emotional high from that three overtime win. Can you keep maintain it for Friday night's game, or are you going to kind of be down a little bit emotionally? But then again, Highland, they had, you know, a game-winning field goal at, you know, as time ran out, they had an emotional high. They were going crazy at the field. Can they maintain it? I know it's at Holt Arena, but Rigby, they played there enough. They're used to it. They know what to expect. So, you know, I'm going to pick Rigby in this one. I like Rigby as well, Wayne, and I know you're an Idaho State University guy, but I think for the first time this year when Rigby and Highland play, Holt Arena will be filled to capacity. Oh, that's great. Oh, no, I hear you. I mean, I might have picked Rigby over Idaho State the way things are going. So, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing Bengal fans. Right. Uh, but that, that place is going to be packed Friday yeah, night. It's going to be a great atmosphere. So. All right, Wayne. Well, that does it for football in the Treasure Valley. Uh, you know, I I hate I hate this little crossover period because you had the start of the girls' basketball season, really Friday and Saturday, but it just gets dwarfed by semifinal football. You know, other states that I've lived in, they wait till football's over before mm -hmm. they start girls' basketball, so they kind of have the spotlight to their own. And I, I hate how that crosses over because girls' yeah. basketball doesn't get the attention that it deserves right out of the gate. Well, we have that a little bit with college ball. I mean, uh, you know, and here in, in Boise with the Broncos, with their finish, they've won three in a row now on the football field. 
And so they got bowl eligible. So now all of a sudden there's excitement about that again. They played New Mexico this week. Can they do it? Then San Diego State at a 10 a.m. kickoff the day after Thanksgiving, 9 a.m. on the West Coast. So I don't know why they're doing that, but they are. But so you've got all that going on. Meanwhile, you got Boise State men's basketball playing and nobody is talking about it right now. So it's the same thing with the girls situation. But I think it's just I think basketball players get used to it. And starting next week, it'll all be for the girls. And then the guys will be getting ready to go. But, uh, you know, we do have previews coming out about the girls basketball. They'll be on IdahoSports.com that you're going to be posting here shortly. And uh, you can go look at that. I kind of wrote up the 5 ASIC this year. And again, you know, you're talking about four teams. Specifically, you're talking Mountain View looking for a three-peat. You're looking for Timberline to get back in there. They've been in the, you know, they've been in a state tournament three years in a row. Now they're trying to get back in there. Uh, and they could win it all this year, Timberline. And then you've got Boise and Bora that are right there, you know, knocking on the door. I think they're going to have a good season, those two of them. So. And and we'll dive uh, more in depth into the uh, girls' basketball previews next week. As as we noted, Wayne, you wrote the 5ASIC preview. I'm writing the 4ASIC girls' basketball preview, so we can really break that down next week once football is completely over. Uh, real quick, though, you did a couple of scores from this past week and did stand yeah. out. Yeah, we did. You know, a couple of teams played Lewiston. So, first of all, Mountain View, who, again, is looking for that three-peat in the state championship. They beat uh, Lewiston 62-51. to and then it was uh, Boise played Lewiston this week, and they beat them, or last week actually, beat Lewiston 54 to 28. So you got those two guys going on. So they got their Bora won a game. They beat Middleton by a score of 52 to 47. So Bora, Boise, and Mountain View off to a 1 0 start this year. And tonight, or actually, depending on when you're watching this podcast, on Tuesday night, let me put it that way, we got a couple of really interesting games Boise against Mountain View. Both teams have beaten Lewiston, similar scores. It's going to be interesting because those are two of the four teams that I think should be there, as are Bora and Timberline, and they play on Tuesday night of this week. And again, depending on what time you see or listen to this podcast, I would suggest just go to idosports.com, check the scoreboard, and see who won those games because it could be interesting. Yes, and I believe this early on in the season, those are non-conference games, even though it's two SIC teams playing each other, because you play everybody once for your conference record, as my dog chimes in on her thoughts as well. So, Well, uh, she was going for the Lions, I think, there. Right. My, my wife, my wife is home sick from work and she's upstairs trying to sleep. So I've got the two dogs in, down in the office with me. So we're trying to That's keep all it right. quiet it's fine with me. It's fine. With me. Yeah, yeah. And they are non-conference games, Brandon, but I think what it does is it gives you a little idea. I mean, the gals aren't going to be looking at them as non-conference games, you know, when they play, they're going to be looking at them as statement games. We got to make a statement early. What do we do? Uh, so we'll get into that next week and we'll mm-hmm. check out what those scores were, what, you know, what happened there and what they might tell us about the season to come. Yeah, I think it's going to be another great season on the hardwood, though, for sure. So, yeah, we'll get into all that next week. Enjoy the state football championships this weekend, uh, everybody, in, in both Pocatello and Moscow. And, uh, and Wayne, we'll we'll see you back here next week for another yeah, edition. you're doing of two on Thursday, right? You're doing two on Thursday and then two on Friday, huh? Yes, I'll be another busy guy for sure. So, yeah, so check them out, Brandon Beatty on idosports.com. Just want to give me some pub, dude.
I, I appreciate it, Wayne, for sure. And uh, you can see the entire schedule of games we're going to be broadcasting by clicking on the Game Streams tab on the homepage at IdahoSports.com. And as Wayne mentioned, uh, those girls' basketball previews, we're rolling those out all week as well. So keep checking back. If you don't see your favorite team or conference, just check back every day because we're adding more and more with each passing day. It's a busy time. It is. It is, man. I, uh, and they're going to keep you busier than me this week. I'm, I feel like I got a bye week. <laughs> Yeah, you got some uh, are you, uh, Boise State. Are they playing this week, Wayne? Yeah, Saturday I do have I do have a pregame for the New Mexico game. But uh, you know, for me, not having to do last week it was football game, you know, pre pregame, and then another football game traveling around to Homedale. So it's really kind of an open week this week. I'm feeling good, but then I'm looking forward to really hitting basketball hard, having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. So thank you for tuning into the SIC PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. For Brandon ba- for Wayne DeZubak, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.